Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. We've been anticipating this interest rate increase for a year. They were supposed to go four times. In the end, they've only gone once. 100% probability that this would happen today, according to markets, and it did. Why do we care? Hello and welcome back to Bloomberg Benchmark, a show about the global economy. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. And I'm Daniel Moss, executive editor for Global Economics in New York. We're taping this just a couple hours after the Federal Reserve announced that it's raising its main interest rate by a quarter percentage point, the first increase since a year ago, and it's just the second since rates were cut to almost zero during the depths of the global financial crisis. Joining us to explain what the Fed did and what it means is Steve Matthews, a Bloomberg reporter who covers the Federal Reserve. Steve, now I've known you for more than a decade, and when I met you, you were covering the Fed. How long have you been at this? I've been doing this, I guess, 12 years now, uh, which is even longer than before the financial crisis, and uh, traveling all around the country, based in Atlanta, uh, where they're, the Fed, uh, while people think of Janet Yellen as representing the Fed, and she does, it's an organization that's made up of uh, 12 uh, regional banks. They're based all over, including one in Atlanta, uh, one in St. Louis, in Richmond, uh, and Richmond, and I end up coming around covering a lot of the regional Fed executives around the country. So what you're saying is that unlike Scott and I, you have the benefit of doing this from outside the New York, D.C. bubble. I, I definitely have an outside perspective. And we, sh- we should note that Steve probably has more frequent flyer miles than uh, almost anyone in the Bureau traveling all over the country to all sorts of cities and both cities and rural areas where a lot of these Fed officials speak uh, week after week. Well, given I'm no longer based there, that's probably right. So let's get down to it. Steve, we've been anticipating this interest rate increase for a year. They were supposed to go four times. In the end, they've only gone once. 100% probability that this would happen today, according to markets, and it did. Why do we care? I, I think the news today was not so much the one increase uh, that happened, the quarter point uh, rate increase, although it does affect a variety of uh, business and consumer lending rates, but the fact that the Fed is now forecasting three rate increases next year as opposed to two, uh, that is significant in that it's the first time the Fed has increased the number of increases that it is forecasting. So, we're having you know a little bit of a of a pivot in uh, in what the Fed is looking at doing from where they've been. So does that mean that rates are going to go up even more next year? And if I say wanted to buy a house now, I already own a house. If I happen to hypothetically be in the market for a second house, or one of our uh, listeners were in the market for that, should they uh, you know really think about? doing that transaction ASAP, so to get ahead of this uh, coming uh, increase in interest rates? Rates do seem to be headed up next year, yes. And uh, there are a couple of different ways to think about this. Today's increase was a quarter point. 
And when you think about what does it mean, okay, first of all, it means an increase in the prime rate, which is for business lending. Uh, It also affects some consumer lending rates, such as credit cards. A lot of credit cards are tied uh, to the prime uh, rate, for example. Home equity loans, a number of home equity loans are tied to short-term rates. So all of that is affected right away. Most home loans are not directly tied uh, to short-term rates. They're tied more to like the 10-year rate, but that too went up today. Uh, The 10-year Treasury uh, uh, yields went up. So there's a sense that they may be headed up, not immediately, but uh, over time. And it also affects people in terms of not just on a borrowing side, but on deposits. You know, for the last number of years, uh, retirees and others who've had money in banks and money markets have been getting essentially nothing. And uh, over time, uh, those rates are going to go up. You know, you're going to actually going to get some yield on your savings. Are they going to get more than nothing? I mean, they're still it's still very low. Isn't it still going to be a while before people are getting a better return than you know one percent or less on their savings? You know, it will be a little bit of, a little bit of time. What one person said to me was, if you think about this, like uh, how oil prices affect gasoline prices. When oil prices are going down, you know, the, there's uh, some lag uh, when the oil prices are going up. It seems to hit the pump immediately. And when uh, rates are going down, it seems like uh, it affects depositors right away. Now that rates are going up, even just ever so gradually, there's going to be a lag before you're going to see it in deposit rates. Steve, let me play devil's advocate. You said a few minutes ago it was a, quote, little bit of a pivot. Isn't the emphasis there on little bit? Fed's benchmark rate is still below 1%. Historically speaking, this is nothing compared with where we've been in past economic cycles. Aren't we just getting a little too excited here? Yeah, Historically, uh, you are correct. I mean, we're still below 1%. I mean, if you would have told people uh, 10 years ago you're going to have rates below 1%, nobody would believe that was possible even. And uh, here we are still below 1% over, you know, a number of years. So while things have started to turn up, uh, we're still in that kind of new normal environment with really low rates. And, you know, Janet Yellen today was saying, you know, the increases are going to be gradual. That was in the statement as well. So there's a sense that, yes, things have started to turn uh, but, you know, it's like an ocean tanker. It's, it's turning ever so slowly. And let's come back to those projections you talked about. This time last year, the projections in the Fed statement, what the geeks call the dots, projected four increases this year. Well, gosh, it's almost December 31 and we've just had one. How seriously should we take the fact that there's a projection of three next year rather than just two? You know, when the four came out last year, uh, markets reacted to that. And in fact, there was a very negative reaction on markets because people kind of freaked out uh, and said, my, my gosh, what's, what's happening here? So really, and, they shouldn't have freaked out at all. <laughs> they shouldn't have freaked out because, uh, you know, the markets were right. The markets were, were, uh, were, were skeptical that there would be much of a, of a change at all. And there wasn't. We've had one rate increase. So now markets, though, 
are a lot more ex- expecting, you know, several increases next year than the Fed. So there's more of an alignment with where markets are. Uh, so there's reason to believe that that these have credibility for next year. What about the Trump factor? Our president-elect has talked about cutting taxes for individuals and corporations, talked about doing up to $1 trillion in infrastructure investment over the next decade. These are things that will potentially stimulate the economy, boost growth, uh, and cause inflation to go up. How much is that going to affect what the Fed does? It was fascinating to hear Janet Yellen in the press conference today kind of do a dance because, you know, we all know that uh, Janet Yellen is a political appointee. She was appointed by Democrats. Uh, she has been talked negatively by uh, about by Trump. Uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of a uh, of, of anxiety there between the two of them. And uh, she definitely kind of did a dance talking about, you know, how the Fed would react to fiscal stimulus. We're going to talk about Yellen and Trump in just a minute. For now, a word from our sponsor. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. And we're back. Steve, walk us through the press conference that followed today's decision. It felt like questions one, two, three, five, seven, eight, nine, ten were really all about trying to tease the chair out on what the president-elect's policies might mean. How did that go? Uh, Janet Yellen was definitely doing a dance. I mean, she was trying not to say things that would be directly insulting toward the new administration, even though it was clear that she didn't agree with all of the policies. She went on and on about how if there is fiscal policy, uh, it should be directed toward increasing productivity, such as education programs, training, things that will improve the workforce, or, for example, uh, bring about additional startups, which is not exactly where the Trump administration is, which is essentially at uh, cutting taxes in a broad way uh, and doing infrastructure spending, things that will just kind of create faster growth. And the concern is if we have faster growth right now uh, with the unemployment rate at 4.6%, uh, that uh, you could have a, uh, an economy overheating and you could have too much inflation. And uh, there were all of these kinds of concerns. And she basically was saying, let's wait and see and, and see what, they, what they're going to do before we make our assessment of what it's going to mean for policy. But there was a, a lot of apprehension there. Uh, Steve, uh, Janet Yellen gave a fairly sunny picture of the economy today. She talked about how things were close to full employment. Donald Trump has really presented a very different picture. He's talked about how the unemployment rate close to 5% is phony or fictional, 
Uh, you know, he wants to get people back to work. A lot of the country is hurting. You've actually been to many of these places in, you know, states across the South, Midwest, Northwest, places that are more economically distressed than, uh, you know, the New York, Washington bubble that Dan mentioned. Can you talk about how, uh, you know, the economy, what the economy is like in many of those places and what the opinion is toward the Fed that you've seen? Well, there's no question that there are big areas of the country that are not doing all that well. I mean, West Virginia, New Mexico, uh, you know, parts of Alabama, you know, parts of uh, of Georgia. I mean, Dalton, Georgia, uh, Rome, Georgia. I mean, places that were, you know, manufacturing uh, towns uh, or coal country in West Virginia. And, you know, there has been such a transformation of the economy uh, that many of these areas have been kind of left behind. Uh, but the Fed's view is that, while that's the case, uh, there's not a lot that monetary policy that can do. I mean, that there, these are areas where you really need fiscal policy. You need investment. You need uh, education. You know, or energy policies. Things that address the specific regional problems. Uh, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see to what extent uh, these areas are are helped. And of course, Trump himself has talked about trade, and and trade has had a devastating effect in uh, in certain places like the Carolinas, uh, uh, where you've seen a big decline in the uh, textile industry, for for example. And lest we not get too focused on one particular narrative, there are parts of the country that are doing very well. Bureau of Labor Statistics, I know some people might say this is a conspiracy, did release figures saying that last year was one of the best years for average wage growth that we've seen in some time. And isn't the Fed's job to set policy for the entire U.S. economy? You know, that's exactly right. Uh, there are parts of the country that are doing well. Uh, last year was a good year for most people. Uh, and the Fed is very much directed at the entire economy, the entire labor market. Uh, so, you know, they, they can't solve the problems of, of everyone. And Janet Yellen is, is pretty clear about that. What about the rest of the world, Steve? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, talk and interest, at least in the, on the financial markets, and uh, about how the dollar has has become even stronger in recent weeks following the election. Uh, you know, higher interest rates in the U.S. do tend to boost the value of the dollar. How does that affect countries around the world and potentially play into these trade issues that you were talking about? You know, that's really curious because. Uh, of course, uh, Trump wants to encourage trade, and one way you would encourage trade is, you know, reduce uh, restrictions so that U.S. products can be shipped uh, to uh, to other countries. But another way is a weaker dollar, and instead of a weaker dollar, we've gotten a much stronger dollar. In fact, the dollar was stronger today. Uh, interest rates were higher when when U.S. interest rates move higher. Uh, that often strengthens strengthens the dollar, uh, so you know that that's a, going to be a curious problem over the next year. To the extent that we get a stronger dollar, higher interest rates, 
uh, that's going to work against the whole idea of, of revitalizing trade. But it would reflect the relative dynamism of the U.S. economy compared with the Eurozone, compared with Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, the U.S. has been doing essentially better than the rest of the world by, by a good measure. And that's why the dollar has been strengthening. All right, Steve, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. It's been, been a pleasure. And we'll look forward to your coverage of the new era for the Fed and Donald Trump in the next year. Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on the newly redesigned Bloomberg app, where you can also find all of our other excellent podcasts from Bloomberg. You can also look on iTunes, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. And while you're there, please take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. Let us know what you thought. You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at at Scott Landman, at Steve Matthews 12, and I have a new handle, Moss Eco. Thanks for joining us. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated.